Comedy podcast that also would love 100 to 120 million like Dennis Schroeder. I'm your host, Adam Weiner, but you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Aaron Boone's Driving Simulator, where you just turn the corner over and over again, and between DeAndre Ayton's alley oop and Jay Crowder's inbounds pass, whispering to Demarcus Cousins that you should go grab some Mike and Ikes after the game. Got a great show for you today, but first, let's take a quick trip through the headlines. The Damian Lillard trade buzz has gotten louder after the Blazers' controversial hiring of Chauncey Billups, which should be very helpful in determining what Lillard thinks is a super team. Of course, the point guard has promised he'd never join one and repeated the claim in a rap song this past year, so it's time to figure out if his fingers also have a killer crossover. Lillard is a truly special point guard, still entering his prime, with more clutch jumpers on his resume than anyone in the modern game, so it'll be interesting to see if Knicks fans will propose two Kevin Knoxes for him. NC State was kicked out of the College World Series after breaking COVID protocol, but to be fair, they only did it because UNC and Duke did it first. Now that they've reclaimed their summer, the NC State team will focus on their other passion, lighting a fart and capturing it in a jar. Trey Young injured his ankle in Game 3 of Hawks Bucks when he accidentally stepped on a referee. Not saying there's an Atlanta sports curse, but after the game, Danilo Gallinari was carried away in a cloud of locusts shaped like an Uber. Before this goes any further, Atlanta's gonna have to do something drastic to reverse this karma, like respect black voters. In Game 4, Giannis Antetokounmpo suffered a knee injury on an awkward fall. Even worse, fans got the count all the way up to 128 before he got up. Celtics head coach Ime Yudoka took a shot in his opening press conference at Brad Stevens for his team's low assist rate last year. After his failure was pointed out, Stevens was quickly given a promotion to Super GM. Portland GM Neil Olshay is under fire for his comments on Becky Hammond's run at the head coaching position, which amounted to a pat on the head for trying. Olshay said Hammond would have been hired, but they couldn't find any credible sexual assault allegations against her. Former Blazers point guard Damon Stoudemire is reportedly being considered for an assistant role on the Celtics staff. Stoudemire will be hired as soon as they get a chance to deny Becky Hammond the position. The PGA Tour has vowed to end weekly virus testing by the end of July. So it's official, they're switching to hourly virus testing. A woman and Yankee fan fulfilled her 60-year dream this week of being a Batgirl in the dugout with the team. Even more amazing, she restrained herself from hitting Aaron Boone with any of them. Former Pro Bowl wide receiver Demarius Thomas is officially signing a one-day contract to retire as a Bronco. Denver reached out to see if Thomas might be into a publicity stunt, and he said, yeah, give me the Tebow. Super fun show today. I talked to Fansided's own man with the golden pipes, Mark Carmen. You've also heard him on WGN, the White Sox postgame show, and this podcast if you've skipped ahead. Let's go. I am here with Fansided's own Mark Carmen, one of the best hosts you'll ever run into, radio, TV, pregame, postgame, Chicago sports. He does it all. I want to talk uh, Chicago. I want to talk your profession. I want to pick your brain about your experiences, and I got a fun game at the end. But let's just talk about what's what's going on in the world right now first. 
Uh, you are the host of Sport and Order, a show I've been on numerous times. Uh, so I sort of know how you feel about the NBA, um, but I'm intrigued. Uh, and I don't know how you're vibing with the, the four finalists being weird teams like the Suns, Bucks, Hawks, Clippers, not traditional NBA powerhouses. I love it. I think it's more fun that the finals are going to be populated by these weird teams with like niche fan bases. Do you love it or like, do you miss super teams or are you with me? So first of all, I really appreciate the intro. I maybe got partially turned on by it. Uh, my ego is certainly feeling <laughs> very good right now. So thank you, Adam. And I appreciate you having me on as well. And your performances on sport and order have been top notch straight A's and your incredible talents. So uh, again, a pleasure to be here. Let's just talk about each other for a while. Like we don't have to answer this question. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. I mean, your career has been stellar. You're going wow. to the top of the profession. Everybody knows this. I hope to be there with you. Okay. But I'll answer okay. your question. Listen, there has been no one. I believe who has ruined their basketball enjoyment more than I have, because I, I love the NBA. It's my favorite outside of, I won't even bring up tennis, even though I'm bringing up tennis. Going to the U.S. Open is my favorite thing that I do every single year. Uh, unfortunately, not last year. But I, I love the league. But since I'm such a huge Jordan fan, I did not allow myself to enjoy Kobe as much as I should when he was doing his amazing career and getting close to Michael. And I was trying to protect Jordan's legacy. And it's the same thing that's going on with LeBron. So I was so happy when the Lakers got eliminated, right? That was sweet. The Lakers are out. But then when we get to the end of June and now creeping on July, I miss watching LeBron. I, there's no, <laughs> it's, it's disgusting, but I miss him. I love having him out there. I love rooting against him. And I don't have the same interest in watching the Clippers and the Suns last night, even with Paul George going crazy and having an amazing second half and the Clippers extending the series. And Trey Young having his moments and stepping on referees' foots and the dynamic that is the Bucks trying to figure out how to win basketball games with Giannis, who has his moments of growth and then looks the same as he did five years ago. But I, to answer your question, very long-winded here, Adam, I miss the Lakers. I even miss Brooklyn. I miss the super teams. I should miss Brooklyn there. I'm down the street from Brooklyn, and yet I still just don't. I can't bring myself to not be happy about their elimination. But – I don't know. It speaks to my, my fandom is weird. I, I grew up a Yankee fan, as you know, and we'll talk about that in a sec. But like I was obsessed as a young Yankee fan. That, I mean, nobody wants to hear this, but they won, you know, in 96, 98, 99, 2000. That's a lot of titles for a child. And by the end of that, I was kind of like looking for other players on other teams to attach myself to who were more obscure. So like young me, I would have loved to see like a final four of these rando teams. And I'm kind of loving it now. Um, but you mentioned the Bulls. Also, uh, before we get into that, sorry, you go to the U.S. Open every year. I don't know why I've never talked about this. I go to the U.S. Open every year, too, since 2002. It's my favorite thing to do. Okay, so this year, I go day one, day two, day three. That's my look. Outer courts. Let's sit low down. I don't care who's playing. It's amazing. That's how I do it. Will you be there with me? Probably, yeah. I usually do that. I usually do that second weekend on the okay. outer courts when you've got like the third and fourth round or whatever still going on. Okay. So you're like, even, if you're doing that deep into you're like, you'll go and see the juniors play, which is a great look, by the way, I do it on occasion. One of the best memories of my entire uh, childhood sporting fandom was staying up till like, 
I think, I mean, look, I'm like 12. So maybe it was like midnight and it felt like 3 a.m. But staying up super late to watch Paradorn Shishapan beat somebody on uh, <laughs> one of the, like the third court, the grandstand. Yeah, um, uh, the grandstand was the greatest. And then, of course, big money comes to the U.S. Open and they ruined Armstrong. They ruined the grandstand. Still great. Still great, but it's not as accessible for those of us who don't make uh, the big money. So it's which is why I used to be like I used to be first weekend guy and I would try to, you know, I would scalp tickets outside. By the way, I got arrested outside one year. That was amazing. <laughs> Family was in the stadium. Carmen arrested trying to get rid of a couple extra tickets. It was a nightmare. But uh, since they've done the renovations, I've become a go in the, the very beginning first couple of days, which is I still I think your best experience you can have right now for the money. Uh, but when, when I get to be a rich man, I'll, I'll start going to the big ones, Adam. I get that. I will see you there. Yeah, it's it's been it's been too long. There was a weird uh, gap year, obviously, where I didn't do anything. Um, and now I'm at the point where I'm it's already it's only been like a month of being allowed in a Yankee Stadium. And already, I'm already at the point where I'm like, eh, I don't want to go. No, thanks. Because um, the team is bad. But um, your beloved Bulls I'll talk about that a little bit before I move on to baseball. Um, strange week. Scotty Pippen on Phil Jackson. Um Talk to me. The floor is yours. Dan Patrick sort of just let him go and he definitely went off. I'd love to hear your thoughts on like what Scotty was trying to say about the way uh, Phil Jackson treated him and whether or not like this is the first time you've heard something like that about their relationship deteriorating to this point. It is. And I, you know, Scotty is selling bourbon. He's selling books. So he's drunk. Is that what's going on here? I guess. Cause, cause I, I kind of, I kind of think he is what's disappointing from a diehard bulls fan standpoint. I always wanted Scotty and Mike to be tight, to be friends and they are, but he's got this bitterness that just won't go away. And now Phil Jackson is a racist. Now I have seen on Twitter, some comments from his book Maverick that I never read that would not, go over particularly well today now do we give him some leeway for the era i think that's probably fair i mean they're not the worst comments i've ever heard uh but there there certainly would be fall under the racist umbrella of just the 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 way that white players like to be more team guys and and mm -hmm. black guys are more about the one-on-one -on -one game that would not go over particularly well today if, if you get in front of a camera and said it now but look phil jackson is he's a hippie. He's a, he's a, he's wrote Maverick uh, the same book that I'm quoting. I just interviewed Shaq name drop. He just laughed at it and said that Scotty's trying to sell bourbon. You know, the concept that, 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 that Phil was trying to make Tony the face of the bulls. Did it not work out? Okay. For the bulls when Michael Jordan was the face of the bulls. I believe Jordan is African-American. I mean, what in the world are you talking about? And the biggest thing is dude, you're in the Hall of Fame. You made $108 million playing basketball in the league. Yes, you were underpaid with the Bulls, but you got paid huge at the end of your career. You won six championships. You're on ESPN. You're talked about all the time. You weren't the end of game last shot guy. That wasn't your game. There's a lot of guys in the league who weren't that guy, and they're in the Hall of Fame. Shaq, name drop again, said he thought he had one game-winning shot in his career. The ball went to Kobe. He has 
you know, he had no problem with it. He, now he, all, he, he sat there and said, I'm the most dom- dominant. And Scotty could say, I'm the most well-rounded. I'm the biggest team guy here. I'm willing to, I sacrifice the most. And, and maybe the part of that at least is true, but I, I just don't, I don't get the bitterness, man. You had an incredible career. You're thought of incredibly well. You're a top 50 player. You would, if he had not been a Chicago bull, I would bet my life that he would not have turned into the Scotty Pippen that we know today. He would have been a good player. I'm not saying he would have sucked, but he wouldn't have made it to top 50. Jordan helped him being a bull helped him. That's obvious. I think to anyone who has their eyes open. Yeah, as a non-Chicago resident, the most obvious takeaway from Last Dance, other than like Michael is great, is that the Bulls scouting department is was unparalleled at that point in time. Like handpicking the perfect draft picks and the perfect veteran washouts and the perfect like lost in the mud like Dennis Rodman types who needed a rejuvenation. Like it, you totally do get the idea that like every one of these people was greater than the sum of their parts, thanks to the organization. Yeah, and I would just quibble with that in the fact that, look, you know, when you went out and traded Charles Oakley for Bill Cartwright, that trade doesn't work unless you have Michael Jordan. Steve Kerr's not good unless you have Jordan. Dennis Rodman, as talented as he is, is a crazy man. Jordan and Phil, you know, help keep him in line. Phil gets a lot of credit on Rodman, too. But they were the Bulls management was operating on with such a safety umbrella because Jordan was just that talented and he, and he made guys better. Didn't get enough credit for that, in my opinion. And, and so it wasn't rocket science to figure out, we need somebody who can stand in the corner and shoot open jump shots because guys are going to double Michael. That's not, you know, that's not brilliance. Uh, And we, but the Scotty deal that was, that was identifying an elite, partner for Michael that worked out better than they could have ever imagined. Yeah. So let's talk uh, my specialty a little bit. Let's talk a little baseball. Uh, My Yankees, not good. We're not going to talk about them. Who cares? Um, I was right. I said that in April. I'm still right. White Sox are good. Uh, Contender-ish, contender-esque. You've been doing a little uh, work on the the TV with Ozzie Guillen. I see you. did you know I have an Ozzie Guillen story that's great that I would frankly love for him to know, and I'm happy to share it with you. Oh, um, I, can't, I can't wait. Please. We uh, we have a friend who was uh, in the hospital. It's summer 2019. He, he had an appendix issue. And while he was in the hospital, we couldn't decide what we wanted to get him a cameo. We didn't know who the best person to get him a cameo from was. And we decided on Ozzy Guillen. Uh, he really came through. He gave us an amazing cameo and he ended it with, I'll see you at the club. It, it was, it couldn't have been more perfect. It was like, we, we memefied it. We sent it around to all our friends. Uh, and then when the same buddy went in for like another checkup for the issue, uh, we got Ozzy again. We got Ozzy to send him best wishes a second time, like a month later for the same medical issue. And he was great again. So we've just been here wondering, like, does he remember us? Does he know? Because he really did give special care to, to not one, but two of these cameo requests uh, to the same uh kid about the same medical problem. So we, we really hope that he recalls this to this day. So, so many questions. Number one, what does yeah. Ozzy charge for a cameo? I think it was $50 at the time, but cameo has become more popular since. So I would not be shocked if it's higher. Interesting. I love that you picked Ozzy. I would also guess that he would remember. I brought up one anecdote that he, when he was the manager back in the day, by the way, the White Sox would not have won a world series without Ozzy Guillen. I think yes. I can tell the story on, 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 on the podcast here. So 
so Ozzy, you know, managers would sit in the dugout. They'd meet with the media. And then when they're done, they get up and they walk on the field and they talk to other baseball players. Ozzy would just hang out and continue to talk with the media. So then the media would disperse. And if you just hung out, you'd be like one of four people just hanging with Ozzy. So I'm sitting there one day and let's call it like 2006 or whatever. And they're playing the Yankees. Jeter's coming over from the other side. And so Ozzy screams at him, Jeter, what's up, man? Like that type of thing. Yeah. And, and Jeter's all smiles, yelling at him. And then he just turns to like the four of us sitting there. He's like, you know what? All that dude does is win games, makes all the money, lives in New York, has all the women. He's like, I don't, I don't have, a, I don't have a daughter, but if I did, I would tell her to him. <laughs> and I was like, this is, you don't get that from anybody in baseball, Adam. That is, you know, sports fire pod deserves that story. <laughs> and, and, and I'm like, you're absolutely right. If you, if I had a daughter too, Ozzy, which I don't right there, Jeter, great choice. Get the gift basket of the whole thing. <laughs> this leads me luckily directly. I mean, it, it's amazing to hear that he is like that, you know, loose with the people. Maybe he should be a little more guarded, but you know, <laughs> I guess ultimately doesn't matter. Uh, this leads me right into doing sort of a little, I want to do a little rapid fire uh, about some experiences that you have had over the years. You've got that story. I, I know you have many others. I was going to start off by saying weirdest athlete interaction you've ever had, but is that number one or does something top that? I would go with, well, there's more, but I, you know, it just popped in my head when you said that young Carm 1998, Adam, and I'm covering, put that in parentheses, but I have a press pass to basically all the bulls home games of Jordan's last year. And with the bulls, you know, this is pre-wizard, which I try to forget, although his wizard career is underrated. Let me just get that in there. But so it was young Iverson. He was in his second year, and the Sixers had lost, I think, maybe they won 25 games his first year. And this is early in the season. You can look it up if you go to 98. I think they're playing the Bulls in game two or three. And what I figured out early on was that everybody in the Bulls locker room, you, they'd be like 10 deep to talk to the 10th guy on the team, Judd Bushler. But if you went in the visitor's locker room, you could literally get a one-on-one -on -one with many, many players, including a young Allen Iverson. So I'm sitting there with him pregame, and you get 45 minutes of access uh, instead still to this day. And so I sit down, and it's me and AI, and he's got all his jewelry, by the way, probably $50,000 worth of jewelry. He's just, like, thrown on the bottom of his locker in some weird envelope. I'm like, that's how you're keeping your stuff, but, which was kind of amazing. But this was, you know, it, it fits the picture of AI. So I say to him, it's game three. I'm like, I'm like, Alan, do you think that you guys are playoff contenders this year? And he looks at me and he's like, he's like, man, what the fuck do you think I'm going to say? It's game three. Of course, we're playoff contenders. And I'm sitting there like, you're absolutely right, Alan. That is a very good point. You're not going to say right now during game three that you have no chance of making the playoffs, even though they did win like 26 games that year. And it was at that moment, Adam, that I realized, you know what? He's right. I'm wrong. 1,000% Iverson. Carmen, idiot. Thank you for the lesson. I will try to be better in the future. So I appreciate you, AI. You're the man.
we we uh, in college used to have credentials to Providence College basketball, which they were that was a great credential to have because you know the whole Big East comes through there, right. so you get all these legends. And we, I took it as a wise and older sophomore, you know, obviously not an upperclassman. Took a freshman to PC Syracuse. Uh, and God, it was the year that like, it was the West Johnson year when Syracuse was like number one in the country for a while. And we took, uh, I took a freshman there and he asked Bayheim in the postgame presser about like a defensive adjustment. It seemed like they made like at halftime to sort of, it was like 43, 42 at half. And then they won by like 15 and he asked Bayheim about a defensive adjustment and Bayheim was like, we didn't make a defensive adjustment. <laughs> and the freshman was like, I I mean, I'm pretty, you, you held them to a much, I saw like some switch. He was like, we didn't do that. That's the great. Nice. Nice question. We didn't do that. And it was like, it was an extremely quotable blow up. And, and that's the most I've ever felt like the AI situation. Um, even though it wasn't me. Um, See, co- college coaches, by the way, they can be super intimidating. So any, any student that asks a question to a Jim Bayheim or a Bobby Knight there, I, I give kudos. Not I mean, easy. I, I didn't do it. I was the, the sophomore. I didn't ask. I didn't open my mouth. Um, similar, but a little different. Do you have a time when you remember an athlete came after you either in the locker room or have you ever been worried an athlete was going to fight you? Not fight, but you know, I, I put this video out. I'll, I'll promote my Twitter at the carm. <laughs> uh, it's also on my TikTok too. Everybody but, follow mostly yeah, on TikTok, please, please. So, uh, 2015, Derek Rose hits a game winner, banked it in to beat LeBron and the Cavs. They go up 2 1. It was the last time the Bulls were relevant. And during that game, LeBron drove the baseline, or maybe it was a backdoor cut. So it's, I'm, I'm want to be overly precise here. But bottom line is he dunked on, on Joakim Noah and then screamed at him. And Noah screamed back, and LeBron got a tee. And the building went nuts and, and Noah's clapping at him and the whole thing, like it was, su- it was super entertaining. And so I asked Noah after the game, I'm like, did you enjoy the moment with LeBron on the baseline? Cause to me, he was clapping and LeBron had a technical and it, you know, I was having a great time and he's, he just looks at me and he's like, when I got dunked on and I'm like, and I, and I had some level of rapport with, with Joe Kim. I mean, he had been with the bulls for a long time at that point. So I just looked at him like, I just said, yeah, when you got dunked on <laughs> and he, and he was like, and he just, was like, why would I enjoy when I'm getting dunked on? And I, and I was like, well, now I'm in trouble, you know, well, you, you know, you got the crowd into it. Da, da, da. Yeah. I loved it. It was great. I loved it too. So he didn't really come after me, but he, but then he said, he's like, that's an awful question. Just awful. <laughs> And, and, and you know, there was a whole herd of people, too. It wasn't just me and him. And, and so I'm, like, awkwardly laughing. And David Schuster, who's covered Chicago sports for 40 years, like, Joe, let me butt in here. <laughs> <laughs> like, go, go ahead, shoe. Take it away. I could use some help right now. And if that um, had been even, like, a year or two later, you definitely would have been the, like, clip the Twitter video memed guy for asking, like, a question that set him off. A hundred percent. Um. Yeah, I had I had one with LeBron too, where uh, you know that that same year actually he he you know the Cavs go on to win the series, and that whole year he was talking about like you know no one expects us to be here. Da, 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 da. I'm like Le- LeBron, what's fair expectations for you guys going forward? <laughs> and he would uh, I said, would you call yourself an underdog? If you can you can look at it on YouTube, LeBron owns media guy. It's there, <laughs> and and, and I, he's like he's like he's like underdog me. And I said to him, like, I'm like, well, I don't think so. You know, 
But and and he's like, well, me neither. I'm like, well, <laughs> I was like, well, then you call yourself a favorite. And he said he they thought he thought they had a great chance. But that one was like, you know, that thing was all over ESPN. It ran for a while, and I got not enough credit for it, Adam. Damn it, that was I that know. was some good viral ass shit. Well, it depends on what LeBron wants to call himself, too. How often have you seen, like, the 108-win Red Sox be like, we're underdogs, we're just trying to do damage. It's like, no, you're not. You set a wins record. So, like, right. he could have easily flipped and said the opposite. Right, right. You, you're, you've been pushing this narrative. Now I'm calling you out on your narrative, and now you don't agree with your own narrative. Okay. Okay. What about uh, the surprisingly nicest athlete ever? Like, maybe oh. a tough guy who no one would expect, or just, like, a subtle dude who ended up being super nice? That's interesting. Maybe Kevin Durant, you know, he, I, when they would come in for shoot arounds, and I think he was with the Warriors at this point, you know, he, I was a little bit afraid to go up to him because there was so much vitriol around him going to Golden State. Mm -hmm. And he's sitting like next to this trash bin. And I just walk up and I'm like, I'm expecting him to say no. And then I do the interview and he's just overly cordial. Um, I mean, a little bit on edge, like you didn't want to say the wrong thing, but I walked away from it thinking to myself, like, I, I love K I love KD right there. Interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. He's right down the road. Maybe I'll track him down and get him next to a trash can. If, if that helps, I don't know if that. Yeah. 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 I don't know why I, I cause I, I have a picture of it on my phone of he's just like, it's him in this huge trash bin. Like it's a big <laughs> rubber made gray bin. It's just kind of like. I don't know. I Why were you next to the trash bin, KD? But we we were hanging out. I when he was young too, you know, OKC days, he would have his little backpack and it was just kind of a fun dude. And then things change once you're in the league for a while and people start coming at you. Yeah. Uh, in terms of a different variety of interview, uh, you and I have both done uh, some sponsored interviews where athletes come on to promote specific products. Um, some are better at it than others and have more to say. What's the worst sponsored interview that you have ever done? Ooh, the worst sponsored interview. This was a wrestler. His <laughs> name was Rampage, who came into the studio. And so we're sitting there. Uh, and you know, he, he's fairly intense, but whatever, it's a wrestler. They're all intense. And I asked something to him and he was like, he just looks at me and, and the eyes get big and he's just like, I don't like you. And, and I'm, and I'm, you know, we're in studio. We are in a makeshift fan sided studio in our office that was barely an office. And like anything felt possible at that moment that I was like legit could be in trouble. And he's like, I want her to do the interview. And he points at uh, Kayla Kinnearum, who does great work out in L.A. right now for the Kings and some other stuff that she's doing. But regardless, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, OK, go ahead. And 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 then like I, I, I like wanted to get out of there as fast as possible. Like I was going to go run around the block or maybe like run to Montana. But uh, he. he like Kayla looked, looked terrified. Like she didn't want to jump in. So he's like, he's and eventually he just kind of calmed down. And I just, I'm like, well, what, you know, what did I say that made you so angry, Mr. Rampage? And then eventually, uh, you know, it, it, it got better and we finished the interview, but that was terrifying. 
That doesn't sound good. Um, it was these Most of these don't sound great. Um, Quentin last... Rampage Jackson, I believe. Ramp, yeah, Rampage Jackson is vaguely familiar to me, a non-wrestling guy. My my final rapid fire. Uh, you you did a lot of radio too, and I know you're doing some radio this week. Uh, what is the worst fan phone call you've ever received while taking calls live on the air? Fan phone call. Um. It, it normally let's see it, it normally comes down to when people just like straight just go full attack on if i said something that they don't agree with it just happened recently where somebody was like yeah well you you, you don't cover that because it's not because it's news mm-hmm. and and i mean this is not you know, and i'm like sir uh you know, that is a hostile attack. I don't feel like I'm in control because I was a guest on the show at that point. And, and my credibility feels like it's on the line here. This is not that exciting, Adam, but that's that's what's <laughs> popping to mind. I don't know. I, uh, you know, there's there's been many, many a call where they just don't like you and it's obvious. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just try to because I, 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 I have such a desire to be liked by everyone that I just I try to become their friend. And sometimes it just doesn't get any better by the end of the call. You're going to like me by the end of this, Susie, Joe, Billy, whoever. And then sometimes they just don't. (laughs) I understand. Uh, Before we go, you have one of the all-time voices. So I wrote up a couple of things that I've always wanted to hear a person with a great radio voice say out loud. Um, I was wondering if you would just say them for me. I'm sending them to the chat uh, one by one. Uh, so if, if you wouldn't mind just reading this, that would, that would be great. Okay. Hang on a second here. I got to pull up the chat. I've never, I appreciate the props on the voice. Um, okay, here we go. Here we go. All right. To the fan in section one seventeen, row C seat 17, your snake is shedding its skin. All right. Great. Here, here's the next guy. Attention shoppers. Designer beef tips are half off in the parking lot. It just sounds better coming from you. I'm not sure why I want to hear you say this one, but I I do. So here's this as well. At the bottom. Okay. Your wife is pregnant and the baby is Godzilla's. That's for a pilot I'm writing. So it's just helpful to have you on record saying that out loud. Um, And then (laughs) finally, this has always been a dream of mine. Get loud. Your Chicago Bulls want to wish all fans a happy Adam Y-Ribs bar mitzvah. That just feels good to hear. And I wasn't bar mitzvahed, to be honest. But if I had been, I, I feel like I, I've, I've, I probably didn't get bar mitzvah because I didn't have somebody calling it out like that. So I really do appreciate it. When I was a kid, just to uh, bilk your podcast for a second here. Tangent it. The Tommy Edwards was the public address announcer. Ray Clay was the more famous one once when the Bulls were winning championships and you would hear that voice. But Tommy to me was like, that was home. And I, I can still remember like we would go, the gates would open, I think at six 30 for a seven 30 game. We'd be there early. And I can remember him just doing like at six 40, he do the Chicago Bulls, Blackhawks and all Chicago stadium events are brought to you by Budweiser, the King of beers. Coca-Cola, catch the wave, Coke, Winston, 
which was a cigarette company that you wouldn't hear nowadays. The Chicago Tribune, a great city deserves a great newspaper. Channel 7, Mr. Submarine. I still, that is what he said. And I would, I would like kill to have some track of that, Adam, where that was my childhood. I get it. And if I can't have Bob Shepard, who was my childhood doing these things for me and, and reading the Godzilla fathering announcement for uh, some project in the future TBD, there's no one I'd rather have doing it than you. Mark Carmen. thank you so much for joining me for all this nonsense. Adam, you're the best. Appreciate you. Thank you. Hope to have you back. Absolutely. Fanside its own Mark Carmen, everybody. I could have done that last segment all day. It was originally supposed to last for an entire day, but then corporate told me too short. Then we had another meeting and they agreed too long. And now my final flame. All was going swimmingly for the Atlanta Hawks in game three of their series against the Milwaukee Bucks until all of a sudden the Atlanta sports curse intervened again. You know the story, tale as old as time. With a tight contest in the middle of the fourth quarter, Trey Young tried to hustle back on defense, took an inadvertent step, and in one fell swoop, my cable went out. No idea what happened. Desperate for a resolution, I sauntered over to the television and began to poke and shake it back, forth, and to the side. After a few fervent shakes, the damnedest thing happened. My fist went entirely through the television's monitor through not glass, but a layer of milky black goo. Talk about a tough turn of events. My hand now surely in another dimension, I couldn't help but think back through the Peach State's tortured recent sports history. The 28-3 collapse, the Braves in last year's NLCX, my hand tucking itself inside a fissure between space and time. Does this stuff happen to any other city in America? Where was my hand? Naturally, at that point, stop me if you've heard this one before, Atlanta fans, I was able to wrench my hand free from the television and it was bruised with a bright pink hue holding a handful of spaghetti. What do I gotta do over here? Cross my fingers and sleep with my pillowcase inside out? When will this nightmare end? And who in Italy beat the hell out of my hand? Something not of this earth? Dominique Wilkins, help me out here. Of course, eventually I found out what happened in the game while my TV was on the fritz. Trey Young stepped on a wreck. Of course, I didn't find out from a text or a call. The information was beamed directly into my head via a graphic of a cloud that dissipated, revealing the image of a shaman who silently communicated the information to me. But of course, my fellow Atlantans know that shaman all too well. What do we say, huh? Wait till next year, I guess. And also, rise to I, the Sun King, Tremors Ohomora. Sorry, again, that was the shaman. My thanks to Mark Carmen. See you all next Thursday. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.